This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Behind Enemy Lines. I'm your host, Alejandro Suniga from the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. On Behind Enemy Lines, we give you an inside look at the Michigan football team's upcoming opponent. We also get a deep dive into the Michigan football team's two main rivals, Michigan State and Ohio State. And we're going to talk about two of the three. Going to skip our Michigan State segment this week simply because the Spartans are coming off a bye. So there isn't a whole lot to talk about other than the fact that it's been confirmed that Michigan at Michigan State will be a night game. All that being said, it's still a very exciting episode recapping Ohio State, Maryland, a much closer game than I think Buckeye fans were looking forward to. And of course, taking a look at the Indiana Hoosiers. The Hoosiers are coming off their own bye week, and it was a busy one. They fired their offensive coordinator. They have questions on both sides of the ball and real questions about the future of the program. All that is just part of the context to what the Indiana Hoosiers will be bringing to Michigan Stadium this weekend for a noon kickoff under what's going to be a partial solar eclipse if the weather holds out, uh, but should be an exciting game and potentially a very successful one for the Michigan offense. So let's dive right into it. Here's my conversation with Matt Weaver from Peaks.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, as he gives us the inside scoop of what to expect from the Indiana Hoosiers. And our first guest to the show today is Matt Weaver. Uh, Matt covers the Indiana Hoosiers over at Peaks.com, part of our 24-7 Sports Network. Matt, the Hoosiers enter this game at 2-3. and three. They're 0-2 in the Big Ten and coming off a bye. They've got two wins over Indiana State and Akron. Uh, the Akron game was in overtime and then losses uh, to their Power 5 opponents, essentially, to Ohio State, uh, first game of the season, Louisville and Maryland. Matt, it's been, for, for those who haven't followed the program, I mean, Tom Allen is in his seventh year at Indiana. Uh, we and most of the country remembers that 2020 season, uh, which was a real high point uh, for the program uh, with with uh, with Penix beating Penn State, uh, that dramatic finish, obviously beating Michigan. Tom Allen was coach of the year in the Big Ten that year, but have since not done quite as well. Two and 10 in 2021, four and eight last year, as I mentioned, a two and three start. So I guess give us a big picture. What's the state of the program? How's that Tom Allen tenure going? Uh, what's the big picture about the Indiana Hoosiers? Well, I mean, there's a lot of questions because, you know, like you said, he, they had those good years. The last couple of years have been have been not great. Um, they've not gotten off to, you know, they beat the teams they were supposed to, although the Akron game was a game, quite honestly, they should have lost. And it is a game that they probably should have won handily. Um, and just look, obviously really bad against Maryland uh, made the change with the obstacle coordinator uh, during, you know, after, after the Maryland game a week ago, Sunday going from Walt Bell to uh, Rod Carey. Um, you know, it, it's the program's lost momentum. I mean, just to be perfectly honest, there's just not a lot of momentum. The problem, you know, 
you I know there's been articles about Tom Allen being on the hot seat, you know, nationally from different, you know, publications. The problem is his buyout at the end of the year is $20 million. His contract runs from December 1st to the end of November. So his the next year of his contract will be December 1st of this year. And that's when the buyout drops to $20 million. So it's that's a lot of money uh, for any school, but especially for an Indiana, which is, you know, they, they just don't do that. They don't pay those kind of buyouts, especially for football. So, you know, most people feel like he's probably safe for another year because the way his contract works, it's like a lot of guys, he gets paid whatever he's owed per year times the number of years left. So after this year, he's got four years left. Mm-hmm. After the 24 season, he will have three seasons left, but he has a clause in his contract that the buyout goes half of what he would be owed if he was still the coach. So it'd be 15 million. So it drops to seven and a half on December 1st of 2024. So a lot of people th- are kind of earmarking that as the date that if things don't get better, there's going to be a change made. You know, the problem is, is if they play like they did uh, a week ago, Saturday at Maryland, they're not only are they don't have any chance to win any, any other games, they're going to get, they're going to get hammered in most of them because they just, they were terrible. Um, if he goes two and 10 and you get hammered and you lose what it would be about eight straight or whatever it was, um, what do you do? So it's just they're at a, they're it's it's a, they're in a bad spot because if it doesn't get better, you basically have in sense a dead man walking as your head coach for the twenty four season if you can't fire him, um, or you have to try to find a way to come up with. And obviously, it's not twenty million at once. You know, it's oh, it would be payments, but the bottom line is you're going to be paying a guy a lot of money to not be your coach anymore. And not only that, you have to pay a new staff to come in. So that's kind of where the program is. I mean, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat, but it's not gone well. I mean, you know, you you mentioned it. They're what is that? They're eight and twenty. Is that right? Eight and twenty-one in their last uh, almost thirty games. Yep. Yeah, they've only won two Big Ten games now in the last. You know, you could say two and a half seasons because well, I mean, they're not halfway through this season, but you know, you're a few games in, so it's not. It's uh, it's not good. It's not good at all. So I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to paint a a bleak picture, but really it's just, you know, when you fire your offensive coordinator after five games in the bye week, you're in desperation mode. Let's be honest. This is a desperate move to try to do something to an offense that for the last 17 games uh, under Walt Bell has, was not good. Yeah. To your point, you know, anytime you're seeing staff changes midway through the season, not a good sign, similar type thing when you're having questions midway through the season about who the starting quarterback should be. I've been reading a lot of your coverage over at peaks.com over on 24 seven sports. And there, there's some pieces, right? Uh, I'm curious that the quarterback uh, sounds like he's going to continue being the starter is Taven Jackson, a younger brother to the basketball superstar trace Jackson Davis. Uh, Jim Harbaugh spoke very positively this week about Jalen Lucas as well. Who's a, you know, he's a pass catching running back. Uh, but really, uh, really remarkable and very good as a return specialist, both on punts and kickoffs. Uh, I know one of the leading wide receivers, Cam Camper, uh, he's been hurt and he's been working his way back. I know the the bye week was was helpful to that regard, even if his status is still up in the air for for Saturday. But I mean, turning to that offense, it's been it's been a slog uh, throughout the season, certainly. Uh, I remember watching that Ohio State game week one, and that was uh, it was tough to watch at times. So, so what's what if anything is working well for the offense? Uh, what are some of the areas that Rod Carey, who's come in as the offensive coordinator, um, elevated from quality control and offensive line coach roles over the last couple of years? Uh, what are some things that he can do to to maybe salvage 
uh, what's been a rough start to the offense through what remains of the season. You, you didn't like that spring game offense against Ohio State where they ran like four plays? That's basically <laughs> it was like a spring game offense. Let's be honest. That's what it was. They ran like four plays over and over again, and none of them worked. Um, you know, I, I think one thing you can do is the play calling. I mean, putting guys in, listen, you're not going to, you're not going to, there's like, you know, there's no, you know, pixie dust you can sprinkle on this offense and make it good. Um, you know, what you're hoping for is, I mean, it's one of the worst, if not the worst in the big 10. So they only got one direction. Just, you know, can you maybe put guys in a better position to make plays? I don't understand. You've mentioned Jalen Lucas. He's a very dynamic player. I, you could argue he's one of the 10, 15 most dynamic players in space. You know, but you got to put him in a position. He's not a guy that's going to break tackles. You got to put him out on the perimeter. You got to get him in space. When he's in space, he's incredibly hard to, to get down. But they were repeatedly running him right up the right guard and left guard's backside over and over again. He's 170 pounds. It's not his game. It just, I'm not an offensive coordinator, but that doesn't take a genius to know that's not going to work. Um, I just think, you know, Rod Carey has experience as an offensive guy. He he obviously had a good run in Northern Illinois. Things didn't go as well at Temple, but he's a guy that knows offense. You know, I, I think really they just need to make things simpler. I know that's kind of, you know, it just it just seems like I, I felt like maybe Walt Bell was almost too complicated. It's almost square peg. You know, they were running option. If you watch any of they were running option plays. Taven Jackson has some talent. He's not a dual threat quarterback. Now, can he make the play with his legs if things break down? Absolutely. But you're not he's not the guy that you're going to want running a lot of those plays where he's you try to get him out and, and he's trying to run with the ball. He wants to stay in the pocket and throw. Um, I'm in no way comparing him to Michael Penix as Michael Penix is on a whole different level. But Michael Penix was a guy who could run, but Michael preferred to stay in the pocket for the ball. Taven's the same way. Now the talent's not the same or their ability right now is not the same, not even close. But he's got that same kind of mindset where I think he would prefer to stay in the pocket and throw the ball rather than, you know, try to get out. You know, maybe a lot of guys are one read and then they want to run the ball out. You know, they want to get out of the pocket. He's not that guy. Soresby might be the guy, Brendan Soresby, the backup what might be better suited if that's what they want to run. I, well, we're, we don't know what Rod Carey's going to run. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, you know, you got to run the ball better um, as far as the, the ground game. They've not been good at running the ball. Walt Bell said that was their offensive identity. When I asked him after Maryland, they were averaging three yards a carry. I don't know how that can be our identity, but so be it. They've got to get better at that. If you have to involve the quarterback in that, then I would lean Soresby. But, you know, if you're going to spread the field and put four receivers out there and try to throw the ball, I, I think Taven Jackson's your guy. But it'll just be interesting to see what they do. They Right now, Tom Allen said yesterday Tom or Taven Jackson is still the starter. You know, but I my guess is he's probably on a short leash. The other variable is Dexter Williams. They said before the start of the season that he could be back. They expect him back around the midpoint of the season. Well, we're there. We're at the midpoint. We're what? This is week seven. Um, so we're about the midpoint. He was asked about him yesterday. He said he's getting closer. I didn't expect him to say anything else other than that because he's not going to give anything away. But he would obviously change things. He's a guy that's dynamic when when he's healthy, but he's coming off a major knee injury, um, you know, running and throwing. So he could be a variable. I don't know that I throw Dexter Williams <laughs> against Michigan in the big house with that defense and the way that that team's playing right now in his first game back. I might wait to try to break him in against Rutgers the following week, which would be a much more manageable opponent. But if he's your best option, then you got to roll with it. But, you know, as far as what Kerry's going to do, I just think just calling plays better, getting guys in the in position better, you know, getting rid of – they've got to do a better job. This is so cliche, but first and second down, this team has been second, nine, third, and eight, and they're just not good enough to do that. Not a lot of teams are, but they are not good enough to do that. They're not good enough up front. They're just not good enough. They don't have – they have some good players on skill, but they don't have other than 
uh, Jalen Lucas, they don't have super dynamic guys that you can just throw the ball to and they're going to go make something happen. They've got to stay on schedule and they've got to stay ahead of the sticks. No, I just have to ask because it's been, I mean, I've been watching obviously Michael Penix over at Washington and then we've gotten a real close eye, of course, in, in Ann Arbor, uh, at Jack Tuttle uh, and AJ Barner, both of who came to Michigan from Indiana. Both of those guys have, have really impressed me and in ways I didn't quite expect, you know, Jack Tuttle, he came to Michigan knowing that he's not going to be, you know, the starting quarterback because Michigan has JJ McCarthy. Uh, but I was both, I was very pleasantly surprised that he has taken the backup quarterback role uh, by the reins has performed very well, uh, played significant amounts of snaps each of the last two weeks. And AJ Barner, I mean, I didn't know quite what to expect because, you know, the Indiana offense under Walt Bell wasn't one that necessarily uh, emphasized or highlighted or, you know, was was best suited uh, for a physical tight end like AJ Barner. But he he's done quite well, you know, from the Indiana perspective. What's uh, I guess what's been your reaction to seeing, you know, these two former Hoosiers blossom and, and I guess Michael Penix as well, what he's doing at Washington. Well, I mean, personally, I'm happy for Michael because he had so many injuries in Indiana. And that last season, that 21 season, was just so brutal. If you remember, that's when Indiana came off the 20 season. They started at Iowa, just played ter- – and just all year it was not good. They, that was a bad year. That was the 2-10 and 10 year. Um, so, in that sense, and I think he was just mentally beat down. Um, I don't – he would not have been a good fit, at least from what I've seen in 17 games and what Walt Bell's doing. I don't think he would have been a good fit. He's perfect. Kalen DeBoer is an absolute – phenomenal coach I mean he is just I mean I got to know coach DeBoer when he was here great guy but he's a brilliant offensive coach I mean he is so good if you remember in 19 we had they had Peyton Ramsey and Michael Penix really two different kinds of quarterbacks and they both played about equal amount of times because Penix had some injuries that year and he adjusted to what they did I mean he's so good not just in game but just like week to week I mean he's very very good at what he does and you can see it I mean Michael Penix is if he's not one of the top two or three guys for the Heisman, there should be an investigation because he's having a phenomenal season. But, you know, it's uh, – Tuttle would have helped. You know, he 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 suffered injuries here too. I mean, it's, there's there's kind of a theme here. I mean, these quarterbacks can't stay healthy because Indiana's having trouble protecting them up front. I mean, this a lot of this goes back to, you know, offensive line issues. And I'm a guy that believes – you know, Kevin Wilson used to say when we would talk, he'd always say, Matt, I can have all the greatest plays in the world, but I can only run what I can block. And football, at the end of the day, still comes down to who's better up front. Michigan is really, really, really good. J.J. McCarthy's great. Blake Corum's great. They're good because those guys up front are awesome on both sides of the ball. Their O-line and D-lines are legit best in the country, or at least in the discussion. And that's why I think Michigan and Georgia have separated themselves as the two best teams in the country right now. Their guys up front are better than everybody else. And I and it, the skill guys are super important. J.J. McCarthy is a stud quarterback. But if he doesn't have good blocking, it doesn't matter. He, he's not going to be able to do what he can do. And that's where Indiana has struggled. The O-line the last few years has not been good. Bob Bostat was brought in. I think he'll improve it. But once again, it's going to take more than a season. I mean, you're, it's going to take some time for him to, to improve what was – a a line that had a lot of bad habits and he's got to break those. And those were formed over three or four years. Now you got, you can't do it in in five or six weeks. So it's tough. I mean, I, uh, Barner would have helped, you know, they're young at tight end. He didn't get a lot of balls, but he's a big guy with some athleticism that could have helped him. Tuttle could help just because he's a veteran. 
he could have been a guy that maybe you kind of lean on and at least, you know, early in the season and, and maybe he plays the whole season. It, you know, I guess his issue was staying healthy, but I, you know, losing those guys was tough, you know, not so much from a production standpoint, but it's just hard to replace guys who've been in the program for that long. And then, and then you lose them and you don't really have adequate replacements or you've got to go to guys who aren't ready. And that's kind of what they had to do. Uh, they've had to do at quarterback and a little bit at tight end. Talking to Matt Weaver, uh, who covers the Indiana Hoosiers over at peaks.com, part of our 24 seven sports network. Matt, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, Hoosiers are coming off again, off the bye week but before that, probably their worst defensive performance of the season um, allowed 44 points to Maryland. And that really started from the, you know, the first play of the game. It was a 25 second touchdown drive for Talia Tungavailoa uh, and the Terps. Uh, so they, they started with a three play touchdown drive. And then by the end of the first quarter, uh, had a one-play touchdown drive and a two-play touchdown drive. I know the the Hoosiers had been better earlier in the season. I imagine that eliminating or at least reducing the number of busts and big plays was was a big focus uh, during this bye week. So I guess what well, well, what's been the theme of the Indiana defense this season? Who are the names uh, that Michigan fans should know on that unit? Well, the bugaboo has been big plays. I mean, you go back to the Louisville game. Um, there was a 80, I think, 80 yard touchdown right around that. I can't remember the exact number. There was another touchdown or drive where the, there was a big play that got him down inside, I think, the 15 or 20 yard line. Um, even the Akron game, they're up 17 10 with, I think, around four minutes to go, and they give up a 71 yard touchdown run. Um, you know, they, the big plays have been, and then obviously you mentioned against Maryland and it's just been, it's been weird. Like that Maryland, that first play that can't happen. I mean, it looked like half the secondary was playing man and the other half was playing zone and a guy, I mean, I could have made that throw. I mean, he was wide <laughs> open. Um, I mean, he was wide open and th- that stuff can't happen. I mean, the first play of the game, that's, it's concerning. And so you just wonder, there's a new DC, uh, you know, uh, this year, Matt Guerrero came over from, he was, a. He was at Duke for several years um, under Coach Cutcliffe as his DC. Then went to Ohio State as um, one of those quality control or consultant, whatever they call him. Those guys in the background um, came to IU, and I think he's a good young coach. I think he's got a bright future, but you just wonder if maybe there's some growing pains going going on right now. Um, you know, just with the the during the game of you know how their the communication or just what they want to call. Him. I mean, Tom Allen said that. Um, there was some calls that they agreed as a staff that weren't the right call. So, um, you know, obviously you'd like to figure that out before the play or, you know, hash that out before you call it in. But, you know, if you can learn from there's talent. I mean, the guys up front, Andre Carter from Western Michigan, he's a Detroit guy. I think Cast Tech is where he went, uh, was a really good player in the Mac. He has been phenomenal. I think he's a next level player. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if he's a high draft pick, but I think he's got a guy. He's a guy that's got a chance to get in the NFL and stick. Um, he can play DM, but they move him around along the D line, but he's been phenomenal. Uh, Aaron Casey is a six year senior at linebacker is a good football player. Um, you know, they brought in some other transfers, uh, Linnell Carr from West Virginia, Anthony Jones from Oregon, kind of edge guys. Um, Philip Leedy from Texas tech has been another good addition. Um, you know, but the defense has fallen off. I mean, everybody's talking about the offense and for good reason, but the defense has not been great. Um, especially the last couple of weeks. And, it, you know, a lot of stuff was really uh, revealed against Akron, which was really disturbing because that's not a good team at all. I mean, not even just for uh, Division One, but, I mean, it's, they're, they're just not a good team. And they really kind of re- revealed a lot of uh, concerns for this Indiana defense. Secondary-wise, complete overhaul. I mean, the top five corners from last year who played are all, all left. 
Um, the only corners that were back were guys that basically redshirted and didn't play freshmen. So all new guys, transfers, um, safety is similar, but not quite as much of an overhaul, but a lot of new faces. So um, the secondary was the concern in the last few weeks. The secondary has been a big problem, especially against Maryland. They got shredded. They left guys wide open, as you said. Talk about the first play. There's other plays. They did not play well. Um, you know, I know Michigan makes their hay running the ball, but J.J. McCarthy is obviously very good. They've got really good skill players. Um, and if they aren't better, it's, you know, I mean, it, let's be honest, if Indiana's not better this week, J.J. McCarthy and most of those guys won't, will be sta- sitting on the sideline uh, for the third and fourth quarter because they won't be needed. They won't be needed. The game will be out of hand. Indiana's got to play a lot better in all phases to have a chance to just even m- make this competitive. I remember in 2013, uh, Michigan had to fend off Akron at the Big House. I think that was a that was a 28-24 final. Uh, Akron mm-hmm. had a chance to win the game uh, in the closing seconds. Uh, so I guess case in point, uh, if you're playing Akron close as a Big Ten school, it's probably not a good sign. Um, Matt, you you've made I think pretty clear uh, throughout throughout your appearance that just how you feel about how this game will play out. Uh, it opened as a five. Uh, five touchdown uh, spread at the big house for that noon kickoff on Saturday between Michigan and Indiana. Uh, so I'm not going to ask you to make a pick or anything like that, but, but short and sweet, is there, you know, one factor you're looking for, for the Indiana Hoosiers that, you know, you think could portend well for the rest of the season, um, you know, maybe a, a like a, a bit of a, a shining light as, as to how the rest of the season might play out something you're looking for at Michigan stadium this weekend. Well, one of the one of the key, the consistent things about this team that's been very inconsistent is they've gotten off to slow starts. It's almost been it's almost been like their their mo. And the coach, coach Allen talked about this week changing things up in practice to try to avoid that. And, and you know we've asked almost every week what's behind these slow starts. Get off to a strong start. That doesn't mean come out and get up fourteen. Just come, get out, come out and and play. I mean, the Maryland game it almost looked like it was over. Like you, the first play, you you you're like oh my, already you're like they look terrible. Um, so come out and, 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 you know, show some fight, come out and try to punch Michigan in the mouth, so to speak on that first drive. I, I don't think it's going to impact the outcome of the game, but show some fight, give you, give yourself something. You have seven weeks to go. There are this team. If you look at the rest of the schedule, there are five games where I think they can, they can't, that are winnable. I'm not saying Indiana will win, take out Michigan and at Penn state, you know, and I can't remember the exact word, but you got Rutgers, you got Illinois, you got Wisconsin, you got Michigan State, Purdue. Wisconsin is, you know, I think they're going to be really good under Fickle. I don't think they're quite there yet, but I think that's a game that's, it, while Indiana doesn't have a great home field, it is in Bloomington. But there are five games where you have a chance to get a win if you play well. The other two games you can play really well, and it's still going to be a very difficult to, uh, to to get a W. So just build, give yourself something to build on for the next six weeks after this game, going into the home stretch, and see if you can get down to those last couple of weeks and be a game or two away from bowl eligibility right now. I think, you know, there's not a lot of confidence because of the way they played, but maybe Rod Carey will be the spark. When he took over the O-line job last year, the O-line played better. They got better as the season went along. Hopefully the offense can do that. Um, the other thing is, even if you don't make a bowl game, if you go, if you can win three games and I know, I mean, it's, it, I, it, this is where we're at at Indiana. Give yourself some momentum. If Tom Allen's back, so some momentum going into the 24 season. Because if you go two and ten, three and nine, and you're not making a coaching change, man, it's it's already it, it, you know it's just the way it is. It's it's rough down here. Um, you know, sometimes I envy. I, I remember talking to Patrick at uh, Bucknuts before the first game. 
about what it's like to go into a game or a season knowing you guys are going to win by a ton and win like 10 or 11 games. It's not the case here. It'd be great if it was, but you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for pity, but it's, you know, it's, it gets rough. You know, those two years were fun and 19 and 20, um, even though in 20, we couldn't really go to the games that much because of COVID, but it was still fun to cover them. And it's just been, you know, in this staff and Tom Allen, they're good guys. They're guys that are easy to root for. But at the end of the day, you've got to win. This is a business. It's a big, big business. And with NIL and all the stuff that's going on with these media deals, it's become even bigger. You know what I mean? It's 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 almost become professional like. So, you know, this is about winning and everything. And I know the student part of it's big, but you got to win. And Indiana's not winning at some point. You got to either, you know, you got to make a call, pull the plug or or do something to try to fix it. Matthew Weaver covers the Indiana Hoosiers over for Peaks.com, part of our 24-7 sports network. You can follow him there or on Twitter at MB underscore Weaver. Matt, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Stick around after the break. We are going to take an in-depth look at the Ohio State Buckeyes as they come off a much closer than expected, much tougher than expected victory over the Maryland Terrapins. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back, folks, on the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. Alejandro Suniga here wrapping up our show just like the Michigan football team wraps up its regular season, and that's with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Welcoming back after a bye week, Patrick Murphy, who covers the Buckeyes for Bucknuts of 24-7 Sports. How you doing, Patrick? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing just peachy on this fine, crisp fall afternoon uh, speaking of crisp fall afternoons, it was a cold one this past weekend. What a segue. I'm great at those. As the Buckeyes beat Maryland 37 to 17, moving to 5 and 0 on the season. Patrick, I know we were just talking offline that you spend most of your early parts of the week, Monday as we record this, rewatching the game. So I've got to ask, where are you in rewatching? Because the conversation could go in two different directions depending on where you're at. Ohio State was down 10 0. Uh, pulled the game even and then pulled away in the second half, but it took a while. Yeah, actually, I just started the second half. So we are right as Ohio State uh, is 10 10 at halftime, um, but it still wasn't great for the Buckeyes. Got a pick, a pick six uh, that was the only touchdown of the first half, had a what looked like a fake punt after they went three and out. Uh, it turns out that it was just a bad, a really bad snap that uh, they they didn't get. So they gave Maryland a short field to start the game. Maryland goes down, scores a touchdown. 
Uh, Ohio State's able to hold Maryland without getting in the end zone again. Maryland had a big mistake right before halftime, too. They they should have um, kicked the field goal. They tried to get some extra yards. Clock ran out. No timeouts. Ohio State. I tweeted this and got a lot of uh, flack from Ohio State fans for some reason, but the Buckeye defense celebrated like they just won the national title running off the field because Maryland made a mistake. Um, but anyway, I've made it to halftime again, but we can talk about the second half, too. I remember enough of it. Sure. Uh, well, maybe uh, I'm sure Georgia Tech celebrated after Miami's fiasco, yeah. right? So sure, you, sure. You celebrate your victories as you get them. Uh, and and Ohio State got one uh, this past weekend against the Terps. But watching parts of the game on Saturday myself and then just looking through the box score, I mean, there's some things that stand out to me. I know Trevion Henderson uh, was out, but looking yes. at this rushing box score, you see Chip Trainum, 20 rushes for 61 yards. That's 3.1 yards a pop. Mine Williams, six carries for 23 yards. That's also under four yards a carry. Seems we've talked all all year about this Ohio State offensive line. It's got to raise some alarm bells that they weren't really able to pave the way or have their way against Maryland on Saturday. Yeah, it's becoming an increasing problem now. Travion Henderson helps with that, but he's a big play guy. And so they miss that side of it, but they still... Even when he is playing, for instance, against Notre Dame, he had a 61-yard run for a touchdown. And if you take that away, I think Ohio State rushed for like two and a half yards per carry. Um, now, that run counts, right? But it's becoming a problem, especially in the short yardage uh, situations. And, and Joel Klatt was talking about it, actually, just as I'm watching this coming back from halftime, makes a good point about Look, the, the offense was just so unbalanced and Kyle McCord didn't come out in a good rhythm, started one for five, but they just couldn't get. I think they had one eight yard run on the first series, and that was the longest run of the half for Ohio State. Um, kind of looking in it, looking into it, the offensive line just isn't getting the push. They're not getting to that second level. So the running backs are essentially running into the back of the offensive lineman time after time. Um, and it's it's interesting because I came into the season thinking this would be a strength of the offensive line and maybe they wouldn't be able to pass protect as well early on given you had two new starting tackles. That's kind of been the opposite. They've actually been pretty good pass protecting. Um, they are certainly going to have to do something uh, to get this run game going a bit more and, and get it to be consistent because you can't just rely on Travion Henderson to make a big play here and there. You've got to be able to get three, four, five yards at a time and, and just kind of move your offense down the field, especially when this isn't as big of a big or as much of a big play offense as it has been in the past. Even with some of these receivers, Kyle McCord just hasn't, you know, they hit on a couple in this game, but it hasn't been the, the quick strike offense as frequently for Ohio State. So you've got to get that run game going in some way. Now, speaking of Kyle McCord, uh, he goes 19 for 29 passing for 320 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that That's 11 yards a pop in terms of completions. And then, you know, looking more into the, uh, the advanced analytics here, that's 11.83 yards per drop back for Ohio State, which is in the 90th percentile. So on paper, it looks very good. But then reading your post-game takeaways, Patrick, over uh, on 24-7 Sports, uh, you mentioned that, that you think that Kyle McCord, you see the flashes with him, right? You see the flashes yeah. of a high-level quarterback, uh, but maybe not the consistency there quite yet. It's getting to the midway point in the season. Buckeyes, of course, had a bye week, so they're not at, at 6 of 12 quite yet. Uh, but where are the areas you've seen him grow as he's established himself as the starter? 
Uh, where where are those inconsistencies that you've seen in his game? It seems to me that he is at his best when he doesn't have to really think a ton, um, which is, I would say, fairly normal for a first-year starter. But as you mentioned, we're almost halfway through the season here, and he's been in the program this third year. He's a junior. So I'm a bit concerned by that. But once he does get it going, and you saw it at the end of the Notre Dame game on that final drive, you have a minute, 26 seconds, you can't really think about it. It's got to, you got to see it and go. And um, it seemed like in this game, especially in the first half, he was looking for certain things when they weren't there. It was a struggle, um, took check downs that, that he didn't need to. Things were developing. He just wasn't giving it enough time. Then in the second half, he only throws three incompletions. You mentioned his final numbers. Um, you know, he did have a big pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. I think it was 58 yards right before halftime. Uh, that helps the numbers as well. But I think he just, second half, he stopped process, trying to process everything and just took what was given. And that's where I think he's most effective. So I think the key for Ohio State in terms of his passing game is going to be, how do you get him to play that way all the time, as opposed to, when he's clearly trying to be more than what he is as a quarterback right now. And, um, you know, I think that's a challenge for Ryan day is, is kind of pulling out the positives of him when he's just out there, you know, playing as opposed to thinking, thinking things through too much. Um, I do think that will come for him. I just think he hasn't done it very much at a, at a college level. And, you know, I think, down the road, I think he will be able to sit back there and kind of process everything. But right now it's just, it seems a little, I don't want to say too much for him because he has been able to do it at times. It's just not consistent enough. And we'll close Patrick with a quick look at, I guess the injury report, right? As we're getting to the midway point in the season, a lot of guys play banged up and that's just what happens in a long football season. Uh, I was really curious to see how Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, rebounded uh, after he he suffered what looked like it could have been a potentially quite limiting ankle injury uh, a few weeks ago against Notre Dame. He goes eight receptions, 163 yards, and a touchdown. As as you just mentioned, he made a few big plays in that game against Maryland. Uh, Travion Henderson, uh, he was out. And then I saw that Emeka Ibuka got dinged up in that game too. I guess, how, how's that trio doing? And are there any other injuries of note at this point for the Buckeyes? So Harrison, as you said, played through the the ankle injury. Sounds like he's going to continue to do that. Uh, ironically, right before the Notre Dame game, he brought up to us that he played through last season with a bit of an ankle sprain, and uh, he obviously played pretty well then. He told us this week, well, this past week, that um, this one's a little bit worse, so he's having to deal with it a little differently. But obviously, he goes out and, and has a pretty good game. Uh <laughs> considering the ankle he had uh, eight catches 163 yards and a touchdown I mentioned the big 58 yard pass earlier so he's gonna have to play through this um and, and they're just gonna have to manage it Travion Henderson weird situation because he's ruled out on the availability port we go down to the field to watch warm-ups he comes out with his team they're in shorts and a t-shirt he's going through the whole warm-up process then he leaves the field, comes back, puts his helmet on, continues to warm up, no pads or anything. Uh, I talked to somebody on the sideline. It's like, no, he's he's out for today. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, so Ryan Day said after the game that he, it was one of those things where he probably could have gone, but given the injuries he suffered last year and, and kind of how it compounded, they wanted to be careful, um, should be back next week. 
Mecca Buka got hurt, kind of getting tackled on a play out of bounds. Didn't come back in the game. I kind of walked up the tunnel afterwards following him, and he was limping a little bit, but Ryan Day said afterwards, while he was still being evaluated, he didn't think it was anything serious. Um, Igbuka seemed to be in pretty good spirits after the game as well. So I think, you know, they're not completely healthy. Like you said, any team this year is is dealing with some stuff, but it doesn't sound like any of those three are going to be anything long-term. Well, the Buckeyes have at Purdue uh, this weekend. That's a, it's a noon kickoff uh, in West Lafayette before the meat of at least the, the midpoint of this midpoint of the season uh, really kicks in for Ohio State. It's hosting Penn State uh, on October 21st. And then uh, what should be a very interesting game at Wisconsin uh, on the 28th to, to wrap up the month of October for Ohio State. Patrick Murphy, thank you for joining us. You can follow him and follow all his work uh, over at Bucknuts, part of our 24-7 Sports Network. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Pat underscore Murphy. Patrick, appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. And that will do it for this week's episode of Behind Enemy Lines. For plenty more coverage about the Michigan football team, check out michigan.247sports.com or themichiganinsider.com. We are at every press conference, at every game. We are on the recruiting trail, providing daily coverage uh, about this Michigan football program, about one of the top teams in the country right now, and what's been a very exciting first half of the season. We are at the second half of the regular season. It has really flown by, and it only gets more exciting from here. So I hope you check us out over at themichiganinsider.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all of our guests who take time out of their busy weeks to join our show. For myself, Alejandro Suniga, and all of us at the Michigan Insider, we'll see you at the big house.